Welcome to another episode of Who Says No, the NBA Trade Podcast. We only talk about trades because we're capitalists, and we know that that's what you want to listen to us talk about. Joining me, as almost always, Colin Ward-Henninger. Colin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you getting the political kind of comparison in there with the capitalism you know, reference, given all that's going on in the country right now, new era of hope and change. Well, also, I love the grammar. You're doing well. You know what? Most people say good. I, I appreciate that. We're writers, and you know, I appreciate a well-spoken person. You know, if you say, how are you doing, uh, and I just say, good, I'm cool with that. But if I say, I'm doing, I think I'm doing well sounds better than I'm doing good. So it's just it's, a matter of phrasing. Have you ever gotten the like non, I'm doing well, I'm doing good answer? Like, have you ever asked somebody, how are you doing, and then just immediately regretted it? Does my wife count? Okay, your wife isn't an entire <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I want to hear the stories. But I'm thinking like the moment where I don't know, you bump into someone in an elevator and you're like, How are you doing? And they're like, Well, it's funny that you asked that because I just ran out of tinfoil to make hats to protect the aliens or protect my thoughts from the aliens, like something like that. You know, honestly, Sam, I can't remember the last time I spoke to a stranger in person, so I'm gonna we're gonna have to table that one for now. Good point. Yeah, this isn't the best time to ask that, but in a year we'll come back and we'll address that. What am I saying? In a year we're still going to be like this. This is our uh, life. So sad. But Let's talk about something a little more upbeat. Basketball is a little cheerier, but we're talking about the Bucks, so not much. They're coming off of two very big losses to the Nets and the Lakers. That makes it 0-4 for them on the season against real contenders. Lose opening night to the Celtics. Lose to the Jazz as well. I think we can all comfortably say that the, the Bucks are true championship contenders. I mean, if you're the number one seed in back-to-back years, that's a pretty safe assumption. I think we can both say from a playoff standpoint, they're probably better now with Drew Holiday than they were before. But losing all these games and seeing how good the Nets are, seeing how good the Lakers are, the Bucks feel like they're at least one player short. So today we're going to try to make them a little bit better. The Bucks are pretty limited in what they can do. Obviously, they cannot trade a single first-round pick. They're right up at the hard cap as it is. So it's not like they're going to get a star. But we both think we have some good ideas about depth they can add, ways they can get a little bit better. Colin, you have a trade that I really like, so I'll give you the floor first. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the Bucks here. So this is a team that's been, you know, at an incredibly high level during the regular season. And the postseason has just been a different story. And you could talk about, you know, a different couple of breaks here and there. But, you know, at the end of the day, they haven't accomplished what they want to accomplish, which is getting to the NBA finals and, and eventually winning an NBA title. So uh, I think I agree with you in terms of watching those two games. Um, just, there's just a little something missing, a little spark, a little oomph. Um, DJ Augustine, is, as you, you like to mention on, on Twitter, is not having the best season and has seemingly forgotten how to score. 28% from two entering the season. 28%. The way I wa- when I watch DJ Augustine, what I think of is, you know those moments in March Madness where you're watching like a 14 seed and you watch and you see there's this tiny like 5'10 point guard and they show you the stats where it's like, no, no, this guy's the fifth year senior. He's the captain. He scored 17 points a game. And he's going up against Kentucky, and it's just like this guy has nothing he can do. That's how I feel watching DJ Augustine now. Yeah, it hasn't been good. And, you know, the fact that he's getting so many minutes is probably not ideal for a team that has designs on NBA championships. So what are we going to do? Exception on him, by the way, which is just, oh, my God, that would have missed opportunity. Well, okay. And a quick defense of DJ Augustine. He's been pretty good with the Magic over the last few years, right? 
I'm not saying the contract was bad at the time that they signed it. It was totally defensible in that moment. Now, obviously, the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing was hanging over everything. I'm just saying, with the benefit of hindsight, giving him the mid-level exception, not great. Right. So essentially, what we're looking for is another kind of playmaking scoring guard. And there are a couple of those available. The first guy I looked at was Lou Williams, but the Clippers situation is difficult and the, and the trades are just not going to work. And on top of that, Lou Williams isn't having a great year, and I don't know how he would fit in with the Bucks. So uh, instead, we're going to keep things simple, right? This is a guy who we've talked about being traded uh, by the end of the year, by the trade deadline at some point. Uh, and that's Derrick Rose. You know, he's on the Detroit Pistons. There's no reason for him to be on the Pistons for the rest of this year. They're not going to be competitive. They're heading towards lottery balls. He's on an expiring contract. So uh, essentially, they're going to have to get rid of him. And I think that would be a tremendous target for the Bucks, just because of his ability to be that guy. I mean, as we've seen, you know, Giannis has had troubles at the end of these games getting his own shot. He gets a ton of charges. He obviously has is not comfortable shooting pull-up jumpers. He airballed one against the Lakers late. Um, Rose is a proven scorer, a guy who can get you buckets and also playmake a little bit. So if you put him in that DJ Augustine role, I think that just tremendously improves your offense. And, and you know, the trade, what it might look like in return, uh, I don't know what Rose's value is going to be, but I'm thinking if the Bucks could send, you know, the two DJs, obviously Augustine, so we want him as far away from Milwaukee as possible, and DJ Wilson, who who seems to get thrown into every trade and was almost traded for Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, this offseason. Um, but that, that's a 6'10 power forward, a young guy who hasn't really gotten a chance to show his skills. I think that's a guy that the Pistons could be interested in moving forward. And then the real question is how many picks are we attaching? So I went with two future second round picks. So we got the DJs and two second round picks for Derrick Rose. Sam, who says no? I like this trade. I like it a lot. And we might not have a no here. I think we might have to tweak it slightly. This feels like one of those trades where we hear that the Bucks are interested all throughout deadline season. And then it just keeps not happening and not happening and not happening. And then finally, five minutes before the deadline, we get the alert from Woj or from Sham saying, oh, the Pistons have agreed to trade Derrick Rose to the Bucks because the Pistons have been holding out for a first round pick. Nobody gives it to them. So they say, OK, fine. We're going to take however many second rounders that we can get. Now, Milwaukee's situation is a little messy because right now they cannot trade a single first round pick. Steppy and Rule mention of the day. Mm-hmm. And they only have four second round picks that they can trade. They forfeited one as punishment for the Bogdanovich situation. They've traded a couple others. So there's one from the Pacers in 2025, and then they have a couple others in some future years they can deal. But after that, that's it. They don't have any draft capital left to trade. So if you're giving up two, three second-round picks, which is what I think this would take, you'd better be pretty certain that Rose is going to be the fit. Now, I do like the fit. I like it for a lot of reasons. Number one, he's pretty cheap. And that might not sound important when you're talking about a deadline deal like this, but the Bucks are pressed right up against the hard cap as it is. So I don't think in this current in their current state, they're in a position to add anybody meaningful in the buyout market. If you make this trade, you're saving like $4 million. You can get somebody good. Number two, Rose is kind of exactly what they need, at least from a bench score, right? Like he can shoot threes. He can function on ball or off. He can create his own shot, which they really, really badly need. Now, my question for you is, are you closing games with them? See, uh, when I first thought about this trade, I, I definitely thought he would be in there. Um, I guess I, the the position would be, you know, you would go with Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, 
DiVincenzo and Derrick Rose, right? That would be the five, because this is assuming that Brooke Lopez is off the floor. I mean, they have, over the past two years, have looked very good with Giannis at center against bad teams, but they've struggled against good ones. We did see tonight there was like a brief stretch in the fourth quarter where they were playing without Lopez, and it worked, and they really got into the deficit. I am very open to the idea of Brooke Lopez not finishing games. I do question if you have Derrick Rose on the floor, like we saw this with LeBron and Lou Williams last year, right? If Lou Williams was on the floor late in the game, which he was in, I think, the third Lakers-Clippers game, LeBron just switch-hunted him every time, right? So what would stop James Harden from doing the same thing with Derrick Rose? That's my big worry there. I think he's a great bench fit. He's somebody that they could really use. I just think he kind of wipes away a lot of what makes you work on defense. Yeah, and I also think, like, you know, we always ask this question, like, who's finishing the game? But I really think that what coaches want, uh, especially at this level more than anything, is versatility and options, right? So, you know, maybe he doesn't close the majority of games, but say he gets in and he's got the hot hand and, you know, you have the right matchup in the playoffs or whatever, um, having that option to go with him, you know, DJ Augustine is never going to close a game. But having Derrick Rose in that position to say, look, maybe we swap him in for DiVincenzo or, you know, maybe we swap him in for Lopez and go small, whatever it is. I think just having that added versatility and ability to adapt is, you know, something that's going to serve the Bucks well uh, moving towards, you know, their potential NBA championship. Yeah. And I mean, I think having the option to close with Rose is a nice benefit. It's just not something I would commit to. And I don't think the Bucks are in a position where, they would necessarily have to do it, right? It's not like they're trading five more first-round picks for another guy. They're getting somebody who, by design, is going to be their primary bench scorer, but maybe he gets hot and you leave him in, or maybe he looks better on defense in Milwaukee than he does in Detroit's terrible infrastructure. So, you know what? You asked me who said no, and I think for the first time, nobody says no. This is a really sensible trade. You might haggle over how many second-round picks. You know, maybe Detroit doesn't want to take on quite that much salary. Like, maybe there are tweaks here. I think this is a very sensible trade, and your only worry here is somebody swooping in and offering more. So, congratulations, Colin. We have an accepted trade. Do we have Sam, any Sam, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Do we have yeah. any – we need to come up with, like, just some sort of way to commemorate completed trades. I assure you you're not going to like the one that I have to propose. So, you also – maybe you win the episode because you got a deal done. Ooh, we could do I don't know. We've got to come up with like, something. Who won the episode? We could do the cash register, like cha-ching. When we we could do a... the PTS. What is it? The um, the around the horn thing where like there's just a point system where we bring in a third neutral host <laughs> who's awarding us points for the things that we say. Uh, that's that's a slippery slope. We'd have to vet the judges and make sure there's no bias and all that stuff. You so, also don't, don't want to give me an, like any extra opportunity to monologue at the end because Lord knows I already do enough of that. But I think we got to figure some way out to commemorate this because we have a completed trade here. I think this might be the first time that we've ever had one on a fake trade episode. I think but you're right. On, I, I, I want to, I want you to climb into the abyss with me because I'm going to – amazingly, I have managed to find an even bigger name than Derek Rose to throw out here. I'm really excited about this. He plays for a team that is going through a lot of injuries. He doesn't have much time left in the NBA, has not won a title. Colin? I'm going to ask you now, should the Milwaukee Bucks trade for Carmelo Anthony? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let wow, me make Sam. my argument. Here's my Yeah, you're going to need to make an argument. He is not worse on defense than Derrick Rose. Like, let me put that out there right now. 
He is a bad defender. I am not going to argue that, pick that for whatever you will. But if you're willing to close games with, with Derrick Rose, you're willing to close games with Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo closed big-ish games last year for Portland, and he closed them very well. He was awesome down the stretch in the bubble. Now, he was a little overmatched in the Lakers series. That's fine. You don't have to close finals games with this guy. But if you're looking for a cheap shot creator, somebody who can make threes, Carmelo's shooting 44% on threes this year. He can still isolate a little bit. Just give him the bench minutes. Let him cook. He'll get you some points. You can protect him a little bit with that drop scheme because there's so much rim protection, right? And just look at the games that they're losing to these very good teams. I just throw, I'm going to throw this out there. This is what the contenders who have beaten them have shot on threes. Boston, 45%. Utah, 47.2%. Brooklyn, 48.4%. Lakers, 51.4%, right? Like these teams are already getting a bunch of open threes on you. Like, Having one other guy who doesn't close out, that's not going to hurt you that badly. If you're just all in on, we need another guy who can score, even if it's only for 15 minutes, you could probably get Carmelo for just one second round pick. I think if he had a chance to win a title, I don't think Portland would hold him back from it. They're very, I mean, they're going through a lot of injuries right now, but the fully constructed version of them is very deep. I think this is something that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you know now that you've explained it, it's not it's not crazy. Um, I still don't I still like Derrick Rose better, but as you mentioned, there could be uh, you know some teams that swoop in and have an offer that the Bucks just can't match for Derrick Rose. Um, you bring up an interesting point about about scoring and defense, and uh, you know I heard someone else mention this. I don't remember who, but uh, you're talking about the Nets and like okay, their defense is already bad. Got a lot worse with the trade. We don't know what they're going to be able to add, but, you know, it's going to be bad defense. But which of those Eastern Conference teams are you really worried about their offense being able to capitalize if your offense, you know, if the Nets offense is historically great? So, you know, the 76ers, they've got their issues. The Celtics have Brown and Tatum. If Kemba comes back and he's amazing, then, yeah, maybe. But, you know, the Bucks. Uh, I think they've shown in the playoffs that that offense isn't necessarily sustainable. And we've talked about in this show how they're shooting just out of their minds from the three-point line. That's probably not going to continue over a seven-game series. Carmelo, by the way, just quick aside, his effective field goal percentage, 49.6. When do you think the last year that he topped that was? This year at Syracuse? Well, not that. Not He was wearing orange. I'll put it that way. So not that far back. <laughs> 2014 was the last time he had a higher effective field goal percentage. What like kind, he made kind of three all-star teams after that. Does he like? I don't. I haven't watched a ton of the Blazers this year. Is he playing a lot? Like, is he? He's getting twenty-four point nine minutes. He's coming off of the bench and he seems okay with it for the first time. Like, look, this is not somebody that you're gonna stick in a playoff game for forty minutes. I'm perfectly aware of that. There's a reason he's making the minimum. There's a reason I'm saying Portland would trade only a second round pick. That's all it would take, right? I'm not saying that Carmelo Anthony is going to come in here and fix everything. I think you could make this trade in conjunction with a Derrick Rose deal. All I'm suggesting is this is somebody who's played in a lot of big games, who's not going to be afraid of the moment, who can give you a little bit of bench scoring and frankly scoring in a way that you don't have, right? Like I guess Chris Middleton is there now, but like Milwaukee doesn't have that jab step mid range guy. So yeah, I, I think that, considering the price, you'd have a hard time doing better than this. Now, how many chances did Milwaukee have to sign Carmelo? Plenty. He was signed for the minimum free agency this year. He was out there to start last year. 
I think if the Bucks were actually going to do this, they would have really done it, but they haven't. So I guess they're just not that interested. I just think as far as cheap bench fits go, which is what they need right now, I think that would be a really nice addition. It just, it to me, it just reeks of like desperation. It's like, it's like, oh my God, we got to do something. We're going to They lose do something. have to do something, by the way. Like, right. Just but going I mean, back to these two games that they've lost this week. I think the bench was like 7 of 19 today, 5 of 14 in the Brooklyn game. Something like that. I can't remember the exact shooting numbers. Like, nobody outside of their big three, and I guess Lopez sometimes, DiVincenzo can make some threes, but he's not really going to generate shots. Like, outside of their big three, like, nobody can generate points for them. That's a real, real problem. I just wonder, if, like, obviously Carmelo's been playing well with the with the Blazers, but... You know, getting into the Buck system, having to play alongside Giannis, you know, I just, I don't know if, I, I see where you're coming from in terms of the shot creation aspect, but I mean, like, I don't know if Carmelo would be content just standing outside the three-point line and, and shooting, and if he gets into his jab step series and all that stuff, I don't know if that's something that Mike Budenholzer can tolerate. Well, that's the question here, right? Like, we have, I think, learned in recent years that not every player has the same priorities that maybe we'd want them to. Maybe Carmelo is just Vince Carter. Like maybe he doesn't care about winning a championship. Maybe he just wants to keep playing as long as he can. And if that's the case, then this isn't a fit. Like that's okay. Some players just want different things. But I think if Carmelo is genuine about wanting to win a championship, he has a much better chance of doing it in Milwaukee. And maybe, you know, he'll do a little bit more to fit in. And you know what? Buttonholder, Mike Buttonholzer is very rigid as far as the schemes that he runs, but maybe the Miami series taught him a little bit about just, you got to be a little more flexible. So I'm not saying it's a perfect fit. And frankly, I would rather make the Rose trade if that's on the table. All I'm saying is considering the cost and I'm pegging it at one second round pick. If the Blazers say two, I say, okay, great. We're not doing this for one second round pick. If it doesn't work, you just don't have to play him. You could just cut him if you had to, right? Like, it's just such a low-cost, high-upside move to me that if nothing better is on the table, I, I just like that option. And you mentioned, you know, if they trade a second-round pick for Carmelo and, and they do end up doing the Rose deal as well for two second-round picks, they're not going to have any second-round picks with, <laughs> until 2030. Well, who, well, who cares? You can just buy second-round picks. If that ownership group is committed to winning, and, you know, frankly, we don't know that they are. Malcolm Brockton suggested they're not. You could just go buy the 48th pick if there's somebody that you like, right? Like, it's not that hard to get, you know, low-risk, high-reward guys that deep. I'm not saying, like, obviously they would prefer to have meaningful draft capital, and frankly, they do. They do have their own 2021 pick. They do have their own 2023 pick. They just can't trade them. So they're not, it's not quite as dire as it seems. It's just when you look, take the long view of it, when you don't have any tradable picks, you know, maybe you make the Rose move and the Carmelo move this year, and you lose in the finals, and okay, what do you do next year, right? Like, you theoretically have Giannis on this five-year deal, and you want to contend for all those years. Do you go all in for any single one of them? I mean, if, if they don't win or make significant progress this year, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about Milwaukee moving forward. And all I can say is that getting Carmelo Anthony, I would look at it as, I, I wouldn't, if, they, if I see the headline, Milwaukee trades for Carmelo Anthony, I'm not thinking, oh, now they're going to win. I'm thinking this is a bad thing for Milwaukee. But I, I thought the same this thing. This is already the, a bad thing. I thought the same thing when the Blazers signed him, and he actually ended up pretty, playing pretty well for them. So who knows? 
I'm Carmelo Anthony is not the prophesied savior. He is not somebody who I would come in and say he's going to fix everything. All I'm suggesting is he would be helpful considering the things that they need. But that'll do it for us here today. Colin, pleasure as always, and we'll be back next week.